Welcome back, dear listener, to a new episode of the Through the Banner Footy Podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and here with me today on Zoom is my co-host, Patty Grinley. Patty is a 19-year-old journalism student. Talk to him about Marley and Pickett, the Catway brothers, and not the 2018 prelim final. He loves a chat about the mullet he used to have, craft beer, good coffee, and driving his barista with the windows down while listening to Desk Grips. He has also been published on the Footy Almanac numerous times since 2013, and his stories have been published in their print edition every year from 2014 to 2018. You can follow him on Twitter at pgrinley42 and check out his articles on the Footy Almanac's website, or you could listen to him in this episode of the podcast. Paddy, how are you? G'day, Casper. I'm talking myself up a bit in that intro. Jeez. In <laughs> um, mind on the mullet, I actually have... A good friend of mine, well, his, his sister actually shaved it back into my head. I can't say it's that majestic at the moment, but, you know, we, we deal with quarantine in different ways, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you know what? Hair grows back. That's okay. And yeah, it's a lot cheaper back. and a lot safer than going to the hairdressers at the moment. That is for sure. <laughs> oh, geez, yeah. What a round, round six was. All the Victorian yeah. teams left the state to start hub life in Queensland and New South Wales. And now a couple of them are going over to WA as well. But first, before we get into round seven, round six, section one of the podcast, round six review, our top two highlights. I'll go first with my first one, Carlton. Uh, perhaps I was underestimating the Blues because for the first time since 2013, they find themselves at the end of a round inside the top eight. Full kudos to them. I mentioned while watching the game against the Dogs on Sunday that this was the first time in a long time that they've dominated a team, that they've crushed a team. Because their wins earlier this year, Geelong, yeah, sure, they were leading by seven goals, but they nearly lost it. And Essendon, they were a forehead, one forehead, one Liam Jones away (laughs) from losing that game. 90-meter penalty or not, right? This game, without question, no one could take this away from them. And the last two out of the last three times that they meet in the dogs, they've buried the bullies. So maybe the dogs are Carlton's bunny. And Carlton, for much of the 2010s, have been the bunnies of other teams. So, you know, bunnies of Hawthorne or Sydney, a couple last years, maybe bunnies of Adelaide. But this is big. They could start now doing the bullying to other teams. Full kudos to them. They will awesome and it's great to see eddie betts back doing what eddie betts does best that's number one for me what about for you yeah great call casper um for me it was the Fremantle st kilda game just everything that happened really um excluding ben long and his hit on sean darcy i mean it's very rare especially in a year such as this where we have shortened quarters and a shortened season where you're going to have a team that leads by six goals get hauled in um, but that was a fantastic game. I loved the uh, early Saturday fixture. Really enjoyed having footy on pretty much my television from what twelve thirty to not to what ten o'clock. That was lovely. Um, probably not too great for really my productivity, but um, being able to sit back and watch the footy for such a long time was fantastic. And what a game it was! Fremantle will be absolutely stoked with that effort. Um, Michael Walters fantastic. Uh, Lockie Schultz, of course, kicking the winner fighting back from a massive margin, doing it with a few on the bench. Hayden Young and Sean Darcy off. Uh, Michael Walters carrying an injured leg. Nathan Fife looking a bit proppy. Um, it's stuff like that which really 
brings back your passion about football and it's a, it's such a difficult year and it's so hard to really drum up the same passion like in our circumstance Casper where we're I don't, uh, myself I'm, I'm out of the lockdown zone but you're certainly in, in lockdown in metropolitan Melbourne we're not going to be able to go to the footy anytime soon and seeing a game such as that which was just so so exciting really breathes life back into the game I thought fantastic game of footy absolutely especially because neither you nor I are St Kilda supporters Yes, that does help, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, how about for you, your second highlight? Yeah, second highlight. Um, look, I was really, well, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Geelong man myself, but I think they would have been super excited about their win against Brisbane. I didn't mm. tip Geelong. I don't think many people did. I was expecting Brisbane really, after their start to the year, to go on with things and really establish themselves as a, as a key premiership contender. And instead, Geelong just, well, they don't die, don't they? They're a little bit like the Black Knight from Monty Python. You cut their legs <laughs> off, you cut their arms off. They keep going. <laughs> Except in Geelong's case, it's, it's yielding results. Again, same as Frio. Injured players on the bench, Narkle and Duncan. Instead, they get up by five goals against a side that many, fan, many people fancy will win the premiership. They have a bloke like Sam Simpson who comes into the side from nowhere and has, what, 27 touches? Just about the best player on the ground. You know, you're playing the form team in the comp. It was a hell of a game. Um, that they, they will be ecstatic with that. And I think that really uh, jumps their season into, into high gear. They were sort of around the mark in the game, such uh, as, as testing as a one against Brisbane. They're now second on the ladder. Look, the Cats shouldn't make top four again. They should be aiming for the premiership again. They were pretty stiff to miss out on the prelim um, after they led by, what, four goals at halftime. Um, and they're in. They're in a position of fortune once again. The, the Cats. So massive game against Collingwood this week. They are proving their theme song correct. They can do it at home and absolutely far away as well. Yep. Um, that third quarter was clinical. Clinical Cats. Yeah. And speaking of more alliteration, clinical Collingwood is my second highlight. Just unbelievable how strong their defense is at the moment. Even with their two losses, right, the highest score that they've conceded thus far this season is 66 points, which is not that much. You think about what the Dogs conceded, over 100 points, right? Carlson conceded over 100 points against Richmond. Teams are conceding pretty big scores even in these shortened quarters, even in these shortened seasons. But Collingwood is the exception to this, and their defense has been awesome especially on Friday night, uh, helped by the fact that Hawthorne's forward movement is inept uh, beyond belief. But nevertheless, Collingwood could very well have the best defense in the competition, uh, at least the strongest defense in the competition. I'll go right on to top two low light. Number one, just mentioned them, but Hawthorne. Yeah. You know, every single week, because Clark has been doing it really at a top level since 2008. You know, they had a couple of bad seasons in that since, since 2008, but it's very rare that they have played as mediocre as they yeah. have been this season. It's not even been bad, although the loss against Geelong wasn't anything to write home about. But it's, it, 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 was just, it was just a bizarre kind of game plan and Damian Barrett and Matthew Lloyd um, 
examined this uh, on Access All Areas um, yesterday when Damian Barrett pointed out the fact that 20 seconds into the game, Hawthorne had the ball in their back line and they're just kicking it laterally to each other. Yeah. You know, just go up the guts. You're 20 seconds into the game. What do you kind of do? You're not trying to preserve yeah. a lead. You don't have a lead. No one has a lead. You should kind of go get a lead. It's just incredibly disappointing from the Hawks. And at the moment, they're kind of standing at a crossroad. You know, do they? Yeah. I think it was, uh, I can't remember who said this, but someone said they're at a crossroad at the moment. Do they play for now or do they play for the future? I have a feeling that Clarko is willing and uh, is wanting to prove his worth with a, with a bunch of new players. And so he'll be hoping to play for the future. I'm not sure if some of the players they've recruited though from other teams would be super happy about that. Yeah, look, for me, it was, it was the, one of the debutants, Will Day, who came in. And you sort of look through the stats. You realize he's the first first-round draft pick that the Hawks have drafted and picked and played in quite a while. Like they've been they've been drafting late in the draft, as you said, they've been grabbing players from other clubs, like obviously Henderson, who was high in their best and fairest last year, ex Adelaide. Jack Gunston, people forget, ex Adelaide. Sam Frost and James Frawley, ex Melbourne. This goes on. Jay Gromira, Jonathan Patton. I won't go too much into it, but this is a team that's been cobbled together from other clubs and from late in the draft, and it's starting to show. They 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 obviously thought that the only way that we can really beat the Pies is by keeping the ball off them and chipping it around and killing the game and trying to scrounge a winning score for maybe six goals. Um, and Collingwood said, thank you very much. They just moved their half back line up to the middle of the ground. Darcy Moore took about a thousand intercepting marks and off they went. Um, yeah, that was, it was a disappointing game of footy and it's, um, it's quite alarming. Well, not alarming. It's sort of ironic, I suppose, to see Alistair Clarkson be- bemoaning the state of the game one week and then pulling out a game plan that yields three goals in a game of footy. And to be honest, it was, it was looking like less than that for much of the game. They scrounged out a, f- a bit of a score. And I can't believe I'm calling 27 for a game of score in the last quarter where the game was killed off and Collingwood had parked the bus. But yeah. Better than what well, Sydney Collingwood did. Was better than what Sydney did. If, and if we're talking about low lights, that's a great segue to my one. Because um, <laughs> that game, that game, oh, look, I'll, I'll go into it a bit because I actually, I'm a Richmond supporter. I actually, I caught up with a few old friends um, from school. We, we went to our local pub, had the whole afternoon set out. We're going to watch the footy. You know, we, we, we might be in lockdown soon. We might as well get the opportunity while we're not. And that's the first time I've ever seen a Richmond game where at halftime I've gone, you know what, I could switch this off. I could do something else with my afternoon. Um, it, was, it was really incredible. Like the first quarter, Richmond kicks three goals. Um, and you think, okay, Sydney need a response. And Sydney's response was pretty much, okay, we're just going to move in a rolling zone for the rest of the game. And that played, look, Richmond, obviously, Damien Harbick is super unhappy after the game and during the game. But personally, I think Richmond don't really have a midfield at the moment. Like they, they basically, they, Bolton was dropped to the twos, well, to the twos, caught the twos to play a scratch match where he could learn how to play a midfield role. <laughs> they bring in Pickett and Graham back into the side. They're rolling Lambert through more than they usually like to because he's a half forward who works up to the game. Dustin Martin is an undersized full forward who they thought, okay, we may, ha- we may have to play him a bit more. 
all of a sudden guys like Liam Baker and Jaden Short and Cam McIntosh and Derek Egmolese Smith are getting heaps of the footy because of the players they've lost. And Sydney didn't even try to exploit it. Um, obviously not helping that Josh Kennedy did a serious knee injury in the first bit of the game. And then oh. Isaac Heaney, his ankle later on, which oh. is terrible news. Heartbreaking. Um, Just yeah, absolutely heart, soul-destroying, really, when you lose yeah. those two players. Oh, yep. heartbreaking. Like, if, if you're going to tank and if you're going to say, okay, 2020 is done, we're not going to do much, which teams like Sydney and Adelaide and maybe, I don't think you can quite add Hawthorne to that list yet, but after that Collingwood performance, you really want to, just out of rage because of how bad <laughs> the game was. Big call. Um, oh, I don't know. I, th- I think they will get, they're Hawthorne, they always scrounge a few together, but they're not really going to make much noise. They're not going to make as much noise as that list really should, I think, if they're going to play like that for the rest of the year. But, you know, um, Sydney didn't try and win that game. They, they were, what, two goals down at quarter time and said, you know what, we'll, we'll, take, a, we'll take an ugly 10-point loss over taking the game on and maybe losing by four goals in a higher-scoring contest. But you can't really blame John Longmire for doing that, right? No, no, you can't. No, you can't. I, look, he's in a position where he's got two of his best players seriously injured on the bench. He's playing a wet, greasy game against a team that adore wet, greasy footy. And they have no um, tools, and I, and I anyways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, they didn't have a ruckman. They're lucky with Hayden McLean. No, no disrespect to Hayden McLean, but um, he was always going to be fighting an uphill battle, even against a guy like um, Soldo, a combination like Soldo and Chol, which they haven't played a lot of footy together, but they've actually been quite solid. So I don't blame Horse for going down that avenue, but... There's a reason why there's a discussion about the, the state of the game. And yes, the, the quality of footy is going to suffer because of how we've moved the goalposts for 2020. Um, I suppose that's quite an apt analogy, considering we are talking about um, Australian football. Yeah. But look, it's like when you, you can't expect people on a you know, prime time Sunday afternoon footy to tune in to a seven goal contest. Like, uh, look. For me, it was just, I've never felt that way about watching a Richmond win. Um, yep. I've never sat down, like my my um, my Sunday night or my Monday night or during the week, I'd, I'd like to maybe watch the replay, cobble a few things together and take, take in a few things that I potentially missed while I was watching. And that's the first time I've got to halftime at a Richmond game and thought, you know what, I probably know the result. I can switch this off right now and actually do something productive with my afternoon. <laughs> So, yeah, disappointing. Um, I think that won't be the first time we'll see a game like that. But, um, look, it'll happen a few times in 2020. I don't really blame coaches, but I think there, there is reason why people are discussing things to be done, and I think that conversation has, has a place. It has a right to exist at the moment. I agree. My second low light, another team that was just beyond disappointing, who had an opportunity to build some momentum into their season off the back of three great weeks. And that is the Western Bulldogs. Several teams across the league are proving to be very difficult to read. The Doggies are one of them. Okay. The former team from the Scray, they are struggling for consistency a little bit. And unlike Collingwood's strong defense being their, uh, their advantage, conversely, for the Bulldogs, oh, sorry, my apologies, not conversely. Similarly, for the Bulldogs, their defense is their strength, right? They conceded a massive score against Collingwood in round one. 
conceded a landslide score against the Saints in round two. Round three, four, five, strangled the giant swans and kangaroos ball movement. So why on earth in the first half when the game is up for grabs, why would you try to engage Carlton in a high-scoring shootout? Especially mm. when Carlton the last three to four weeks have shown what they can do when they carve teams up the middle. It's how they beat Geelong, right? Teams down in Geelong struggle keeping the ball uh, in play, kick it out of bounds a lot. Suns did that. More, every team does that when they go down there, except for Carlton because they took it up the guts. And so you would think yeah. that the dogs would try to implement something that would try and stop that movement, but they did not. They tried to play that aerial ping pong type of a game style that AFL is sometimes described that by people who don't like the sport and it didn't work. <laughs> Massive opportunity missed. They come up against a depleted Bombers side. This is an interesting game, which we will get mm. to. But as for this week, the dogs are in the bottom two low light for me. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, my last one is um, fairly straightforward and hopefully nipped in the bud one, which was Luke McDonald's sledge to Connor McKenna. Yep. Um, in the Essendon North game. Now, there's been a lot of comparison drawn to Sam Mitchell's jibe. Um, I won't say jab because that's too much of, a, of an obvious pun to make. Um, at the at a few Essendon players, was like, I think it was like Hibbert and Carlo at the time. I can't quite... Actually, I don't think it was. Anyway, um, but doing that whole needle joking, obviously, about the supplement scandal. But look, coronavirus is a global pandemic that has killed people. Like, And it the situation as it is in Victoria um, and as mentioned by the chief chief health officer today and a press conference is that it, they're expecting there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people in hospital. There's scores of people already in ICU. There's people on ventilators. Um, we only saw the other day, Basha Hui um, making a very public and very brave social media announcement about his own mother who is struggling um, in ICU with the coronavirus. Don't joke about that you just that is off limits that's as off limits as you can go um there's a very clear reason why that's off limits you shouldn't have to be told that okay maybe don't joke about this serious illness that someone's had and has dominated their last two weeks i think conor mckenna right now i don't i don't profess to know anything that's he's thinking but if i was conor mckenna watching the media storm that followed his positive test I'll be thinking, you know what, maybe I wish I'd stayed in Ireland and played Gaelic footy mm. because that, that was ridiculous. And, and the action by Luke, um, at, at best, it's a bad look. And at worst, it's a really, really, I'll just come out and say, it's a really stupid thing to do. It's a really stupid thing to do. It shows that he hasn't got a lot of insight into what's happening. Maybe he's just not paying attention. Maybe he's focusing on his own career. Fair enough. But you shouldn't have to be told and have to come out and realize that that's wrong. That was just a really horrendous look that got worse as it got more and more attention. And I'm happy to hear that he um, took it upon himself to ring McKenna and apologize. And hopefully that's the last we hear about it, but that was a, that wasn't a great look. That wasn't, that was not a good moment. And I think that's the definition of a low light. Essendon fans, uh, when Mitchell came over to West coast in 2017, uh, remembered very clearly that um, that little quote-unquote joke mm. that he made. I think it was in the direction of Howlett. Um, Howlett, that's it. And yeah. I remember, you know, reading about it afterwards and how 
Essendon supporters booed Mitchell whenever he came near the ball. I uh, would not be surprised if they do that the next time Essendon play North Melbourne, whenever Luke McDonald goes near the ball. And it's one thing to make fun of um, of a supplements program, which I don't think you should do because it, it disrupted and ruined people's yeah. lives and livelihoods. Yep. But it's one thing to do that, right? And it's another thing to make fun of something that is killing people and taking away their actual yeah. lives, right? It's like, it would be like walking up to someone who just survived the Titanic and making fun of them by gesturing drowning, right? And yeah. then laughing in their face. You yeah. don't do that. You, don't you do, do not do that. I 110% agree with that. Moving on before I get too angry. Uh, yeah. The most I'll just, surprising... I'll just note on that, Casper. I'll yeah. just note, um, just because it adds to this, I've just... Um, my phone's just bleeped at me to let me know that 11 minutes ago, another Victorian has just passed away from COVID-19. So that's the perspective that you need. Look, honestly, it's an awful situation and it was shocking. It was really disappointing to see. I agree. I agree. And I think yeah. also more than that, there's been a lot of talk on social media about why on earth footballers should be allowed to travel interstate when non-footballers can't do that. And why should they still be allowed to work when other people can't go to work because they're not deemed essential workers, right? That's a very complicated issue. And I'm not going to dive into that too much, but I will say this. I think that it would be in the best interests of footballers out there to not poke fun of the public who can't, whose livelihoods have been disrupted. Maybe they've lost people. Maybe their loved ones are in, yeah. are in ICU. Maybe they're away from their families at the moment because of travel restrictions, right? It's a terrible look for the game. And it's a terrible look just in general for who you are as a person. And I don't know, Luke McDonald, maybe he's, maybe he's, a, maybe he's a, the, the, the most likable guy in the league. I have no idea. But that's a terrible look for the game, a, yep. an awful look. And while we are trying to expand into international markets as well on TV, this is the opportunity we have to be broadcasted into the States. And this yeah, yeah. is what the players do. It's disappointing. Moving yeah. on, though. Moving on. on. He, he did apologize. So yeah, and I'll full kudos. Full kudos to but, him um, for doing yeah. that. Wasn't great. No. Uh, moving on. Most surprising result for me uh, Melbourne, because look, Melbourne fans, I'm sorry. Maybe I was too harsh yeah. on you guys, but I thought that this was just a stereotypical game that Melbourne will lose, right? You know, in things in life, there, there are three certainties in life at the moment, right? Taxes, the end of life, and Melbourne losing a game like this, right? But 2020 mm. is such a year, right? When the last certainty is no longer a certainty anymore. And it was a great win by Melbourne. Yeah, it was a great win because they were behind early and they didn't throw in the towels. Full kudos to them. Great victory. And they can build something off of this Melbourne. They play a vulnerable Hawthorne team this weekend. They have an opportunity to build some real momentum. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they'll do. What about you? Most surprising result? Most surprising result? Look, I'm going to I won't go with the result per se. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to go with the most surprising debut um, or most <laughs> surprising performance, if you will, because I, ha I have to fit this in somewhere. Watching Isaac Ranking play for the Suns in that Melbourne game, like, well, 
the Suns kicked nine nine and he kicked three three, and every single goal was just this ridiculous. Like that first goal where he's basically he's picked it up, sold some candy. It wasn't even it wasn't even selling candy. He just sidestepped a bloke, made space where there was none. That's something you like. I don't think we've ever seen something like that since Jason Ackermanis. Like it's he's a he's a special player. Like like stats for the day. What kick three, missed three, twelve touches, three tackles, all inside fifty. He's he's I don't know. He like to see a bloke on debut play that well like Matthew Rao was magnificent and we we all we all get around Matty Rao and it's, it's such a shame that these blokes can't play in the same side at the moment because of how much talent oh man these two t- yeah. oh these two players I tell you what when these two players yeah. start playing oh. together it will be Michael Walters and Nat Fife who yeah nobody he's, will, he's, nobody he's, will remember them he could be better than Walters seriously like that was like you forget that's a bloke who was drafted a couple like two years ago like He's the same age as, you know, like, a, a Sam Walsh who's playing really good footy at Carlton. But I haven't seen Sam Walsh do that. That was just unbelievable. Um, and obviously, they're different players, so you can't really compare it. I wasn't – like, I've heard, obviously, and you've seen his highlight tapes, and you think, oh, what a, what a superstar this guy could be. But, you know, he, he's on debut. You're not expecting him to, you know, basically carry his team's forward line. I remember thinking – I'm watching some highlights – the, the two Brandon Ellis goals for Gold Coast, I think one kicked by Lockie Weller as well, where they were both like complete, like ridiculous, almost fluke chances. And but then you see the, the, the stuff that Ranking can pull, and you're like, yeah, he'll he'll do that every week. Like he's he, he's a he's a super player, um, so 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 impressive. And even though the Suns lost, and yes, it looks like their exciting start is sort of ebbing away a little bit, which we sort of expected. They're such a young team. They're building their brand more than really having it on show. Like, they're going to be able to to roll out ranking and rail every week. You know, that, and that's probably going to get enough thumbs on seats to justify their existence full stop. Like, that's, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun five and hopefully 10-year stint for the Suns. Three premierships this decade, the Gold Coast. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> Place the house on it now, folks. You heard it They've here got to first. beat Melbourne first. They've got to beat Melbourne first. They do. They do. They've got to yeah. get more consistent, but that's okay. They're young. Uh, my biggest surprise, both positive and negative, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, kind of sandwiched into the one game. Uh, I thought that this was the best victory in Fremantle's history since the 2013 prelim final. 2013 prelim final, they crushed the reigning premier Sydney to march confidently into the first grand final in their history. It didn't work out so well for them, but that's okay. Since then, right, had a couple more chances in 2014, 2015, and then pretty, pretty, bad ever since then yeah and the first few games this year they looked like they would be a case of oh so close and yet so far however the last two weeks these dockers look pretty good although you could argue last week uh, they just played the crows so what but this yeah 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 against a team who was entrenched in the eight at the time trailing by six goals at quarter time when your superstar champion is coming off of a hamstring injury and you have two yeah. players on the bench and your Ruckman is out with concussion yeah. early in the game on foreign territory? Yo. It's not bad. 
these dockers were awesome. And conversely, this is probably the worst loss in St. Kilda's history since 2014 when they lost to the Hawks by about 150 points. This is really bad. Uh, you don't lose to a team 17th on the ladder after leading by six goals, right? They have a couple of injuries. Their Ruckman's out. And their star player, one of the best players in the league at center clearances, is resting forward. You mm. don't lose mm. like that. Yeah, the Saints, well, they they lost by, when they had a similar lead against North in round one, which feels like a, a decade ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's an issue. They sort of look like, um, again, speaking from a Richmond perspective, but they sort of look to me a little bit like 2012 Richmond. Um, well, they looked every other week like they were going to, you know, storm into the finals and be a really exciting young team. And then they'd go up to Carrara and lose to Gold Coast. Um, or losing the dying, or find a way to lose in the dying seconds, or or whatnot. Oh, Michael Hunt drop massive leads. Yes, or drop massive leads. Like it's that, and I think that'll happen with a team that's sort of forming its identity. So I'm not, I'm not as low on the Saints as some. Um, I think this will probably happen again this year. I think they're probably going to have worse losses, um, where they'll just it just won't click for them. Um, but I, I feel I feel like they've got the right product going on. But as as the Dockers, which I, I sort of spoke about a little bit earlier, that's that's a really galvanising win for a club that's starting a new era under a new coach. Um, the critique on them was that you know after Walters and Fife that re- it really falls away. And Andrew Brayshaw was fantastic, um, and he's the bloke who really should be leading that next sort of generation of Fremantle players um, who are going to try and take up a little bit of the the mantle that Fife and Walters have to hold up. So yeah, fantastic win for, by the, by the Dockers. And it's, it's, it's a concern for the Saints. It is, but I, I feel like they'll, they'll work through it. Might take them a little while. I agree. How about you? Your biggest disappointment? Um, I think that, that was really the one, the Richmond Sydney game, I think for me, which I spoke about earlier. Yeah, I think. Fair enough. Can't, In which case, can't really yeah. go past that. No, you're right. In which case, then, we'll move on. Part two of the podcast, the major talking points. We've already discussed kind of St. Kilda having an issue giving up big leads. But my question for you, Patty, is that going to hurt them come season's end? Yeah, I think it will. Um, there's been a lot of really exciting young, um, you know, corridor-focused, quick, exciting teams Um that have missed out on finals because they didn't they didn't rock up for a quarter or a half or a game where they really should have. Um, this year, what you've got seventeen games, so you probably want to have nine in the bank and probably get another one. Um, is that Richmond Collingwood draw, which I think will be very interesting come crunch time to work out ladder positions. So yeah, there's look. I think Freeman, for Fremantle. I think St Kilda will look at back at the Fremantle and North games in particular because they're going to have to come up against some really tough opponents. You know, they're going to have to play an Eagles team probably on their own deck. They're going to have to come up against the Giants, the Cats, I think what even what Essendon at the moment. Um, like they go, and Brisbane as well. They're going to have to play some tough teams. And they're going to probably drop a few of those because they're very good. So you look back at games where you're six goals up and think, geez, that would have been nice. Because, you know, at the moment, that's eight points that they're not going to have in their column come round 16, 17, where they, they might be a game out of the eight, where they might be, um, like obviously this is hopeful stuff for Saints supporters, and they might be a game out of maybe the top four. We don't know. This season's a bit crazy. But um, 
yeah, you, dropping those games always hurts. That's that's gonna, no matter what happens, there's going to be a taste of what might have been for the Saints, even if they do end up in what I think the bottom half of the eight is probably where they, they're probably realistically aiming at. Um, that's yeah, as I said, you know, that's two wins, eight points, and a shortened season. If we're, if we're talking a 22-game season and we're trying to extrapolate, that's probably three games that they should have won, which are gone. And not even should have won, but were winning and in a position where you could park, you could you really should be able to just park the bus for a half a footy and take home the four points. And they haven't done that twice. They parked the bus and accidentally reversed it. That's what they did. Yep. Park the bus, no, no standing zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Uh, is there... A, again, we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier, but Hawthorne's scoring problem. What can Clarko do to fix it? If you were Alistair Clarkson and you had four premiership medals hanging up at home, what would you do to, to fix this rut that you're in? Because you can't kick five goals a game. And expect no, you can't. Unless you're no. playing Sydney. Well, exactly. And look, for Hawthorne, for all their faults, they're not Sydney. That list isn't as in that area. <laughs> Ouch. Um, Ouch. I Take feel, that, yes. Harbour City. Whew. Well, the Swans, the Swans are, I quite like, but I think a Swans team without Josh Kennedy and Isaac Heaney for the majority of the rest of the, well, the majority of the remaining part of the season, that, that's, that's going to be a tough ask for, for the Swans. I do like James Rowbottom, though. He was pretty good. Um, but look, for the Hawks, look, it's, it's, it's weird. They've tried to do a few things to spark them up. They've played McAvoy as a key back when he hasn't been too magnificent at that. So they've moved him down to the forward line and he's kicked three goals in two weeks there. Um, you've got to play your young blokes. I quite liked Will Day. He was pretty good. Um, Josh Morris was all right. You know, they brought in Harry Jones last week, but there's not... Like maybe you can bring in Finn McGuinness. That'll, that'll be nice. But, you know, you haven't got a hell of a lot on that list, which really screams out to me as... Like, for, if you're, for example, the, the Isaac Rankin on the Matt Rowe, not at that level, but a young bloke who you can go, oi, this guy, this guy, if we can play him for 22 straight weeks, he could be something. Will Day, we've seen one game, um, and he was pretty solid, so I won't pass judgment that quickly, but it's got to be about brand. Um, Clarkson's a very good coach. They've still got very good players. That midfield, we saw what they did to Richmond uh, only, what, a few weeks ago. O'Meara, Mitchell... Shields, Chad Wingard exploding through there. You know, that's an exciting midfield. You get the run of Isaac Smith on the outside, who has never aged. You know, you've got Ricky Henderson, who's a solid um, contributor. Sean Burgoyne, of course. You've got Sicily in the back half. Um, you know, Jarman MP out with injury, of course. James Warple won the best and fairest last year. There's players there. It's just, look, as you said, the moment that Hawthorne had the footy, they went backwards and across. And they did that for the whole game. You can't expect to win a game playing that footy. I think it's about brand, play style. You know, this, I think the list was in a similar position where they finished top four in 2018. So it's just about finding your game, figuring that out. And if you figure out the way you play, you add players where you need, you should be okay. And I think they've got the list to probably, they should really be a finals team. They really should, but they're not going to be a finals team if they play like that for the rest of the year. Like, come on, they keep three goals. And they probably should have kicked less. So, yeah, it's a, it's a brand thing for me. Yep. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Maybe this is perhaps just a little bit harsh, considering that, you know, the 
the players who moved from other teams moved to Hawthorne. I assume to win a premiership, but that mm-hmm. that doesn't look like happening. And Hawthorne, I think, in 2018 released their vision for the next uh, 32 years or so, and they said, you know, we're going to win a bunch of premierships in the next 32 years. In the first stage, we want to win a couple of premierships by 2022. But at this stage, two cups by 2022 looks unlikely. No, it's yeah, probably not going to happen this year. And it's probably not going to happen next year either. Having said that, though, I probably just cursed the competition to another Hawthorne three-peat. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. Speaking of teams that we've perhaps overestimated, did we, the footy public in general, overestimate Brisbane, St. Kilda, GWS? Three teams that last week were looking like premiership contenders, this week looking like a bunch of spuds. <laughs> Have we overestimated Look- them? Uh, no, I don't think. I, I think the Brisbane call is premature. Um, they have been really good this year. They haven't had the toughest run. Seven goals um, in a quarter. Seven goals see. in a quarter. Yeah, and I think maybe we give a bit of um, bit of kudos to Geelong as well. Um, they their best, well, arguably their best player left last year in Tim Kelly. But they they've still got the bones of that list. They still have Gary Ablett. Will never stop being really good at footy. Um, it's quite funny. In the last few weeks, he's decided he's going to dob them from 55 again. And who are we to tell him otherwise? Um, Just because why not? So, yeah, why not? Like they played with, you know, I, I really rate Quinton Narkel um, and Mitch Duncan. And, that, and between them, obviously with the injuries, you know, four possessions out of the game for the majority of, of the, the contest. And they go, no worries. We've got Sam Simpson to come in. Won the VFL best and uh, their VFL best and fairest last year. He he'll lead us for possession. Sam in a goal is having a breakout year. You know, Brandon Parfitt through the midfield. Brian Myers is staying on the up and up. Tom Hawkins again, not slowing down. Three goals. Ablett we spoke about. I think that they are. It's weird. The issue's always been with Geelong is is the ruckman because you know Reece Stanley's really inconsistent and Darcy Ford. You know he was okay, but that's clearly not probably going to be the long-term solution. So I, I think, I think the Brisbane, I think the Brisbane calls a bit premature. I think they were up for a little bit. You always lose one. And in the, in their case, losing to a Geelong team who had a fantastic quarter of footy, as you mentioned, um, I think you'll take that. I think they'll, I think it's probably good for a club to drop a game in such a way because they can actually learn from it. You're not going to learn anything if you win for 17 straight weeks. Um, as for GWS, look, I think, again, it's probably the story there is more focused on Port Adelaide. But the Giants, I don't know. They're, they're weird to get a read on. I thought, as a club, they were in a massive amount of trouble when they lost to Hawthorne last year in Canberra. And then they completely redefined themselves and got all the way to a grand final. Yes, they lost. But, look, they're, they're a weird club. They're just a bit up and down. I was speaking about Brand early, earlier. But um, did, they just seemed a bit off. Port, though, I think, I think we, we should be talking about Port in that scenario. And same with St Kilda. We touched, I touched on them earlier. Um, that'll happen to a young team who are sort of coming together and figuring out where they're at. Um, so I think I give St Kilda a pass. I think the, the discussion is more about the winners, I think, than the losers this week. The Giants are running out of time. Yeah. Their flight window's the been open for a few years and they haven't been able to capitalise. They, at the moment, do not look like a top four team. 
Top six, absolutely. Yeah. But they are not playing like a top four team at the moment. Yeah. You look and at they the really best. Should be. They should. Absolutely. Yep. They have had one of the best lists in the competition for the last few seasons. And sure, a lot of fans might say, well, yeah, look at all the draft picks that they were handed, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, but look, right. They, obviously, the AFL couldn't start a team from scratch, actually from scratch. Obviously, they needed help getting started. That's fine, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the Ferrari is struggling to get into second gear. And if they can't win the flag this season, it might be the time that their flag window shuts. He's sure is not going to be around much longer in the mm. orange and charcoal. Neither will Phil Davis. You assume Callum Ward won't be if he keeps getting injured. Shane Mumford's getting older. Sam Jacobs is getting older. All these players are getting older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, ha- and they can't retain players either. They have the trouble retaining yeah. their best players. So it's going to be a struggle for them, I think. But I've no doubt that they'll challenge for the flag. Can they get over that hump? I'm not convinced. Conversely, are we in danger of overestimating Richmond and West Coast? Yes, they've won two in a row, those two teams. And yes, the Premiership contenders are back, so many say. But who have they played? And how have they won? Mm. Richmond just... They 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 were they barely had gone into first gear really against no, no. <laughs> and Sydney they played a Sydney seconds team that was pro- probably more adapt to the MIFL than the AFL and instead of crushing those two teams like a Premiership team does the Tigers squeaked past the Swans and for a half. Didn't show up against Melbourne or left the ground at half time against the Dees. While West Coast, yeah, sure, they played in Sydney and they played Adelaide and they won comfortably. But who are the Swans and the Crows this year? The Swans yeah. can barely get together a team, and the team that Adelaide has is pretty bad. And so yeah. I think at the moment, just hold your horses on Richmond and West Coast, wait until they play some good teams. Wait until they play the Giants. Wait until they play Brisbane. We saw what West Coast did when they played Brisbane. They did nothing. But wait until they play Geelong. Wait until they play Collingwood. Wait until they, you know, play these teams, and we'll see how they go. Again, the Tigers played Collingwood. They they weren't really good in that game either. But, yeah, it's interesting. Are we in danger of overestimating the last two premiers? Technically three. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting one. Look, the thing for Richmond at the moment is that they are, and they'd be first to admit this, they're really embattled at the at the moment. Like you say, the Melbourne game, um, and they were slow, and they but they, there was there was a bit of spark. There was a bit of something they could be they could be playing for. You you sort of felt like they were working their way back into form, and then all of a sudden, Toby Nankervis is off with an ankle injury, and Presti is off with an ankle injury. Cochin's done a hamstring again. Um, you know, this then then they fly up to Queensland and Hooley's not there and Edwards isn't there. So they've got that's what five players in the space of a week gone. They already had David Asprey gone. Um, so that that is tough. That's that they did it last year with the um with the same sort of situation and it was their depth that really shone. Uh, that's the thing for Richmond. But at the moment, you know, the Tigers. You know, we talk about Collingwood and how well they've looked in some games, and you know they've. They're, you know, they were fantastic against the Hawks, played a really good first quarter. They're level on the ladder with Richmond. 
They're in fifth and sixth, respectively. Richmond are not a team at the moment who look like they could be sixth on the ladder. They look like they they could be pushing to the eight. And that's the the case with this year. You play everyone once. You can only beat who you put in front of you in any given weekend. Um, So the key thing for Richmond at the moment is just maybe to understand that they're they're not the team that they should be. and they, They weren't at the start of the year. I'm willing to say that maybe they started slow, that sort of, I think, I think that's justifiable, especially considering what this season looks like. Um, certain teams, I think like Essendon in particular, have responded really well after the, the, the COVID break. Port Adelaide have done oh, well. Geelong you. have done well. Um, yeah, well, they've been great, the Dons. Um, and other teams haven't. And that's where we probably talk about Richmond and West Coast a bit more. Um, West Coast are another team, which I think it's, it's sort of been the same. They just haven't started well. But I think, you know, both teams have won the last, last, um, last two games. Um, and they should really, realistically, West Coast should beat Fremantle in the, in the derby. And Richmond should beat North Melbourne next week. And it's then where we really get into some, um, some juicy games of footy up in round eight where Richmond will play GWS and West Coast Collingwood. That's going to be a very fun couple of days. Absolutely. Um, so that, great as you, segue. As you said, great segue. <laughs> Great segue into round eight. Uh, the fixture's been released. Yes, round it has. Suns and Dockers on prime time. While Essendon faces arguably its toughest test of the season. Playing with this point. against the 18th ranked team in the competition. It's the <laughs> test that we failed in 2017 when we lost to the 18th place Lions. 2018 when we lost to the 18th place Blues, and 2019, when we lost to the 18th place Swans. Will it be four for four? God, I hope not. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. It's just yeah. the way football is, and it's just the way we are. Ah, oh, you don't know, especially if Dylan Shield, <laughs> especially if Essendon can't um, challenge successfully the Dylan Shield ruling. Yeah. But we'll get to that tonight. in a second. We'll get to that in a second. For you, Patty, looking at round eight, which game are you most looking forward to? West Coast Collingwood. Always a good game. Yep. In a heartbeat. That's going to be awesome. Yep. Um, you know, that, that's an instant classic. I mean, not even, not, like, not even because of the 2018 grand final. I think the 2018 qualifier was enough to get that up there. Yep. Um, and then they just said, you know what, we'll repeat the dose. Um, so, yeah, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, yeah, like even last year, Collingwood team that was really beaten up with injury going over to Optus Stadium and winning by a point, I believe it was. Um, there were 40 points down in that game, Collingwood, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yep. So, look, I, I'm really excited for that West Coast Collingwood game. I'm excited what the uh, the Suns can do in prime time against the Dogs up there in Metricom. Um, the only Thursday good game between those two teams as well. Yeah, and I think they, they probably suit themselves, uh, suit each other to produce a good game. So I'm really hoping that we, um, we see a free-flowing contest. Um, I, think, I think Port Adelaide St Kilda has the potential to really kick off because both sides, obviously, such a f- so free-flowing, loving, loving the run, loving the space. Um, Port Adelaide flying high, really top of the ladder. St Kilda... As, as we have touched on a few times now, um, their inability to hold a lead has really got them outside of the eight more than anything. I think that'll be a good game. And I think um, we've probably got a fizzer in there too. I don't think the GWS-Richmond game will rise to great heights, I've got to tell you. 
Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I think it will. Because the Giants struggle against Richmond in Victoria, and this game, for obvious reasons, won't be played in Victoria. So I'll say this. The one game I'm not looking forward to, and I love the Swans, but the yes, Sydney yeah. Hawthorne game, I'm just yeah. not looking forward to watching it. Two, two goals all draw, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone want to take me up on that offer? I think that's what's going to happen, a 2-2 draw. Uh, it's just the way that both teams play, even if they were playing in the middle of the Simpson Desert. They will probably <laughs> play wet weather football. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, Look, yeah, it, yeah. Look, that it, might be one I cover on the radio. I think that that that's one to have my earphones in, do something else, maybe not pay heaps of attention, and see if the highlights are any, if there's anything to really salvage from the highlights later on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Injuries and suspensions. Uh, um, there's just way too many injuries to get into. It was a lot of injuries oh, yeah. in round six. So well, many there to is, talk about. There is a new one that I might just touch on. Uh, I've just flicked over to the AFL website um, yep. for their injury list. Yep, go for and it. And it, it looks like poor old Callan Ward has hurt his knee again. Um, no. And he's actually he's going to be out by the looks of it for at least a month. Oh, um, no. With some with some damage to his lateral collateral ligament in his right knee, which is the, the supposedly good one. Oh, um, no so need sad. for surgery. No need for surgery. Well, so good. hopefully he'll be back. Hopefully he'll be back. And hopefully Patton will be back as well. It was so sad yes. to see him on the bench crying. Um, yeah, that was You've got to feel for him. Um, and as a Sydney fan, just the whole, just, just, just this Kennedy and Heaney situation. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. It's just... I'm going to move I mean, on because yeah. I'm going to be, I'm, yeah. no, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm going to get too depressed. Suspensions. Yeah. Now. Suspensions. Uh, yes. Juicy stuff. Ben Long sent straight to yep. the tribunal. Uh, Bombers challenging Dylan Shield two weeks. Found this article on the AFL, uh, on this AFL, uh, on the AFL website about the four similar bumps that took place this weekend and the four yes. different results. So it says here, Ben Long was graded as severe impact, referred directly to the tribunal. Dylan Shield, high impact, will challenge a two-match ban, hopefully getting it down to one. Brad Ebert from Port, medium impact, one match. And Marlon Pickett, the grand final hero yes. from last year, low impact and a $1,000 fine. Now, here's where I stand on this, right? I said a few weeks ago with the Sean Burgoyne incident that it shouldn't be results-based, right? Because that's not a good enough deterrence. What I meant by that was that I don't think it should be results-based deciding whether or not someone yep. should be suspended or fined, right? Because that's not enough of a deterrence. However, let's say, for example, that difference between the Ben uh, Long incident and the Dylan Shield incident, I think that should be looked at, right? And you might say I'm yeah. biased because I'm an Essendon supporter and I want to see Dylan Shield out there. You're right, I do. But I would say the same thing if it was reversed. If Dylan Shield had knocked out uh, Curtis Taylor, given him a concussion, and if it was Ben Long 
whose hit on Sean Darcy from Fremantle didn't give him a concussion, I would still say the same thing. Give Dylan Shield the longest suspension because in that kind of a difference, right, I do think that when it comes to concussion and when it comes to injuries around the head, it shouldn't, the result shouldn't decide whether or not it's a fine or a suspension, but it should decide how severe the suspension is. Yep, bang on. Yeah, like the thing is, is that we know way too much about concussion to be flippant with this anymore. Like, yep. like you see issues, obviously, in America with their um, NFL players, but you've also got, like, you know, Matthew Richardson makes light of his, um, his CTE symptoms and memory loss. But there, there's a generation of footballers um, right now and multiple generation of footballers who are going to be, you know, retiring in the next few years or have already retired and things are starting, things are going to start to happen. They're going to have, they're going to start to experience some symptoms of CTE just from playing the game. So look, my view on it is that you, if you choose to bump, you're liable for any damage. Um, and I think... Like that, like so. If you if you have a situation where you do what Long did, where you step away from the ball and you choose to bump, um, if you get a bloke in the head, you're gone for a week. Um, because what you've done is that you've made a decision and you've put a person at serious risk. No matter if they play on, if they get back up, if they go off, um, pass a concussion test, come back on the ground, doesn't matter. You, you bump a bloke in the head, you get a week. If you bump a bloke in the head and you knock him out, you get three weeks or you get two weeks or you get four weeks. And then obviously you factor in like the, you know, for example, the, um, the Jeremy Cameron of, of a few years ago where he, um, he got Harris Andrews or the Stephen May on Stephen Martin incident, which Ooh. are two that stand out in my memory. Um, wow. Where it's yeah, where, where players jump in the air or their their eyes are completely off the footy and they're head hunting, and that's where all your your cameras and all your medical reports and all the history comes into it. Um, but yeah, look, there's an opportunity, and it's the same here with as with Burgoyne, where the AFL said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna change the way we adjudicate on this now. Like they, these, the action that Burgoyne took is no no different to the action that Ben Long took. He he made a decision that no matter what, put another player in danger. He put endangered the head, and look in another world. Um, I can't. Was it was it who was who was it that um that Burgoyne got? Was it Dangerfield? I'm not sure. I can't quite remember. Um, round two. It seems so long ago. I'm I might have to ask Doctor Google that. Um, but in another world. Um, it was, it was Danger? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, in another world, Patrick Dangerfield has been knocked out like Sean Darcy was and, and doesn't return for the game. And Sean Darcy's fine. Does that mean... And obviously, you know, the, the, the difference there would be that Bergwijn would probably get a month out. Um, so, look, you've got you've to charge the action. You've got to really charge the action. And then you put on top of that what actually happens afterwards, the consequence. So... A big opportunity. I think Shield should get a cut, should get one or two. I think two weeks was probably fair enough. He ran past the footy, got in the air, got a bloke in the head. Um, see you later, I think. S similar with Ben Long. Um, and that's sort of exacerbated with the damage caused to Sean Darcy. Brad Ebert, same. Marley and Pickett, that was an interesting one, I thought. Um, but the thing is, is that he still chose to bump. He still chose to bump. Doesn't matter how close he was to picking up the footy. He decided not to. Got a guy, shoulder to the head, that's a week for me. doesn't matter if the bloke gets back up. And it was Heaney in that instance. Um, 
doesn't matter if Isaac gets back up. That's a week. You bump a bloke in the head, you get a week. Yep. yep. I agree with that. I agree with that. Round six in the books. That's a very interesting weekend. Now we move yes, on to indeed. round seven. Big round seven. And it starts off on Thursday night football. Geelong, Collingwood in Perth in front of hopefully 30,000 fans. I'm tipping Geelong by five points because I think Geelong's form has been better. I think their win last week was more impressive courtesy of how they won and who they played. And the reason why it's only five points and not any more, two reasons. Number one, it's always great when Collingwood loses by five points. But second, <laughs> it's always a coin toss between these two teams. I wouldn't be surprised if it's another draw, honestly. But mm. I've got yeah, to tip look, a winner. Catters by five points, and they'll start their three-week hub in Perth off on a winning note. Who do you have? No. Look, yeah, this is as close to a 50-50 um, as the, there is in the entire round, I think. Um, look, I, 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 actually, I do tend to sort of side with Geelong here. I think they've got enough momentum. I think Collingwood's win, um, which was good over Hawthorne, but I think there was a lot of that that was really founded on how, just how poor Hawthorne were. Um, and I think sides entering a contest where against a team that is very good, both these teams quite good. I'd probably take Collingwood on talent, but I think Geelong have got the momentum here. Um, so I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with taking the Cats. And I think, yeah, as you say, I think this is under 10 points. I'm going to go by seven. Oh, we both predicting a thriller on Thursday night. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of scoring in that one. Friday night football. Metricon Stadium, the Bombers and the Bulldogs. I was there the last time these two teams played. Uh, yeah. And that was not fun. <laughs> I was also there in 2015 when Dogs started this recent run of domination against us. They won that day by 87 points. Last year, they won by 104 points. And I think the football gods are finally telling me, hey, don't go to Essendon Bulldogs games. And I won't. <laughs> At least not this one, for obvious reasons. Um, and just a little anecdote about that game. I remember walking into the stadium and I saw in a news article that there was an asteroid that was supposed to pass by Earth sometime that night, whether that, you know, early Sunday morning Melbourne time is supposed to pass through the atmosphere. And I messaged my friend saying like, hey, if Essendon wins tonight, does that mean, and we all died, does that mean that we're like eternal premiers? And the way that we played that night, we deserve to be eternal wooden spooners after that one. But this is a different Bulldogs team. This is mm. a different Essendon team. In a different situation, in a different world that we are in. August 2019 seems a long time ago. And because of that, and also because of a lot of hope, this is more hope than to do with any reasoning, Essendon will win by 15 points for their first win against the Bulldogs since 2014 when Bomber Thompson was the head coach. Yep. Uh, I'm going to stay with you on the Essendon tip. I just didn't quite like the Bulldogs' performance. They're a bit flat. Um, I think it's a little bit worrisome that Bailey Smith is their most consistent midfielder and Latham Vandermeer, their most consistent forward. Um, 
both players obviously quite young. Vandermeer in his first year of playing AFL footy regularly. Um, Bailey Smith obviously drafted in the 2018 Super Draft. Mm. Um, so I'm going with the Dons. I thought they were pretty good uh, against North. I think they're playing really good footy. Um, unfortunate news though for Don supporters like yourself, Casper. Uh, Joe Danaher has had a setback with his calf and won't be running for another two weeks. Um, up to two weeks. So at least they're monitoring it. At least, at least they're being as careful as possible. At least we're not rushing him, right? But I just think back to early him. 2018, right? He injured himself against Fremantle in round two that year, finally got taken out of the team in round six, and it hasn't been the same since. Why did we not rest him after he got injured the first time? Uh, yeah. That's my question. That is my question. Playing him didn't make a difference in those games. Why on earth, and this is two years later, you might be saying, Casper, why are you complaining about this now? Because obviously that still impacts us today. That's why I'm making that distinction. I just, yeah, look, right. Essendon has medical problems. That is for certain. Okay. And yeah, cue the, well, technically you've had medical problems ever since 2012. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Hilarious. I've heard it all before. Saturday, GWSV Brisbane Giant Stadium. Uh, I still think that this will be a grand final preview. Uh, But if the Giants continue to play as poor as they have been, maybe not. I'm still tipping them to win, though, because they are practically almost impossible to beat at home. They have one of the best home ground records of any team in the competition, which is why they'll win this game in another thriller by 10 points. Nice, I like it. I'm I'm gonna go with Brisbane here. Um, I just feel like they were closer to the mark than the Giants were last week. Um, and I, I just have I have a feeling about Brisbane. I think a team that loses a game, they weren't that far off it. They had a really poor second half and that obviously that third quarter. But I think they're close enough, and I think they're the type of team to respond well. I think we've learned a bit about Brisbane. I'm really I'm really backing them here. Um, and I think this is a mature team that can really respond after a, a tough loss and a big loss the previous week. So I'm taking the Lions. And I'm, ta- I'm saying that the Giants get close, but the Lions pull away by three goals in the end. Interesting. Interesting. It's like state of origin, but, you know, instead of rugby league in an actual sport that's actually entertaining to watch. Ooh, take that Queenslanders and New South Welsh people. Anyways, um, Sydney Gold Coast, speaking of another Q clash, uh, sorry, state of origin type game, New South Wales versus Queensland. Um, remember in 2018 when Gold Coast beating Sydney was like an upset? Uh, <laughs> that game started Sydney's terrible run at home, uh, which will continue. And as a Swan supporter, I hate tipping against us, but it is. I mean, I just really, who do we have? We have Papley, uh, we have Florent. Um, we've got some youngsters. Uh, yeah. Robottom. Yeah, Robottom is great. He's a freak. Rose is yeah. great. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah, no, that's about it. That's the up. Suns will win by 21 points. Yeah, I've got the Suns here too. Um, yeah, I thought they were uh, they weren't 
as good as they probably could have been against the D's. Um, but I just think it's just really that the Swans are going to be really bereft of March in that midfield without Heaney and Kennedy. Um, I think it's about time where they start to really put the cue in the rack for this year. Um, and I, I'm taking the Suns to break a little bit of a losing streak and return to the winner's list by 22 points. <laughs> 21 points, 22 points. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, Richmond, North Melbourne, Metricon Stadium. Uh, funnily enough, the third and last game on Saturday. I can't remember the last time outside of the bye rounds that Saturday's only had three games. But anyways, um, Richmond v. North Melbourne. Uh, will Ben Cunnington be playing? Who knows? Will it matter either way? Probably not, because North Melbourne are playing really dour football, and Richmond, uh, who are also playing pretty dour football, but playing less dour football than North Melbourne. Thus, the Tigers, the patchwork Frankenstein Tigers, will win by 17 points. Yeah, I'm taking the Tigers on this as well. Um, not really just because I'm a Tiger supporter, but um, as you said, North Melbourne, I don't know really what happened um, because they actually looked like they had something going for them um, earlier in the year. But like when they beat the Giants, you thought, oh, this, this could be interesting. This could be a team that really scraps into the eight. And ever since they've really fallen off the wagon, they now sit 16th on the ladder. They've lost four on the run. Um, yeah, I think Richmond win this. Um, I think they have they got a really good opportunity to to figure out a few players last week when that game turned into mush. Um, got a little bit of chemistry together. I think Kane Lambert's having a really good little patch here. Um, they've got some good young players coming through. Really liked Jack Graham coming back into the side. Pickett was good. Shea Bolton looks natural through the midfield. So yeah, Tigers, and I think they do it by four goals. Sunday. At the Gabba. This one could be interesting. Depends yeah, on which Carlton team shows up. Whether it's the Carlton team that kicks five goals in the first quarter or concedes five goals in the first quarter. Carlton versus Port Adelaide. Just because of how strong Port Adelaide are, they're going to be too good for Carlton, I think. 29 points Port Adelaide's way. It could be a lot closer than that, though. And I wouldn't be totally shocked if Carlton pulled off the victory. But Port, they're the best team in the competition. And I think for a reason, and that will continue probably until late in the year when they stumble and fall and choke again. But up until that point, the power by 29. Who do you have? Will it be the Port power or will it be the Navy Dark Blues or Dark Navy Blues, whatever they're called? Yeah, look, I think this is, again, this is a really interesting game purely because it, it just depends on which which version of these teams rocks up because the Carlton team that played on the weekend, just go on, was the first side since round two to kick the ton. So if the wow. same one rocks up... Um, so keep, in mind, though, look, keep in mind, though, the last team to do that before Carlton was Port Adelaide. It, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'll, I'll take, um, I think they were playing the Crows um, in peak roadkill Crows territory. <laughs> but um, look, I actually think the Crows are a little bit better this week. Um, but yeah, look, Port, I think Port, just on the basis of their, their season thus far, um, I think they get up. I'm tipping 
Uh, I think it's I think it's honestly like a probably a two goal game really if Carlton can continue on their form. Um, I'll tip Port by ten points because I I actually think Carlton really will give them a run for their money this week. Interesting, interesting. Hawthorne Melbourne Giants Stadium suck. <laughs> could be one of the worst games uh, uh, yeah. that we've seen in a long time. Uh which team is sucking more at the moment? Probably you'd say <laughs> Hawthorne. At least Melbourne's showing something. And for that reason, Melbourne will get a win against Hawthorne, something that they haven't done a lot of in recent years. They'll be close, like last year, but not as close. Demons by 13 points. How about you? Yeah, look, I'm back in the Ds as well. Um, Hawthorne have got to figure out what's going on. Um, like for me, it was very, it was very strange to see a bloke like Chad Wingard, who'd been so good to start the year, especially against Richmond and North Melbourne. He was fantastic. It was so far off the footy. Um, their mids were just nowhere. It's, it was, it's sad to see Hawthorne play like that. It was, it was just, it was dour. It was uninteresting. It was over by half time. Like it was, it was a nothing game and. Really disappointing to see. So, look, I think Melbourne will double down. Um, I think they were markedly better against the Suns than they were previously against Richmond. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Ds. I think it won't be much of a contest. I think they'll win it by 14 points. Uh, this feels like a Hail Mary pass, but it feels like one that will lead to a touchdown. Enough American football metaphors. I'll get to the point. Dockers v. Eagles, Optus Stadium, the game that was going to hold 60,000 people. 30,000 people. I'm tipping Fremantle by a point. They currently have a losing streak against the Eagles. All losing streaks come to an end eventually. And Fremantle, just who they've beaten thus far this season, I know they've only won twice. But that yeah. there's just something about the win last week that I think will prove a turning point for them. They won't make the finals, but they'll win more games than I think a lot of people think they will. And it'll start this weekend. Fremantle by a behind, and it'll be after the siren, kicked by David Mundy. <laughs> he likes kicking goals after the siren, but usually he does. Just you, would know. you would know. Yeah, yeah, right. You would know all about that. <laughs> well, pretty much. Um, I was at both those games, actually. Ah, good memories. Um, You're welcome look, for bringing them up again. Yeah. Uh, look, I think I think West Coast probably do just get over the line here. I think Frio have had a good return. Um, however, I can't ignore how they've played previously. Um, even that game where they went won against Adelaide was just a nothing game of footy um Brayshaw good last week that sort of makes me think maybe there's not just Fife and Walters but I'm gonna back in the Eagles I think they were pretty good last week I'm really encouraged by what Tim Kelly was able to do um through the middle of the ground he looks like he's actually found himself in some form um and I think this will be the last good game of the weekend Casper because as you're about to say the Monday night game between Monday night football for the first time outside of Anzac Day Eve in forever Adelaide versus St Kilda 
at the city of churches. And I tell you what, the crows are going to need to do a whole lot of praying. And I don't think, (laughs) I I, I honestly think that even Jesus wouldn't be able to help them in this particular game. The Saints will win by nine goals. And I feel like that might be a little bit too kind for the crows. Look, the Saints can pick a number between 20 and 90. Um, Look, the Saints are a really exciting, busy, vibrant, like full-on, full-bore. They're either zero or 100. And I think if you're you're that type of team, I think you're going to do pretty well against a side such as Adelaide, which have been as far away from good as possible um they were i actually thought they they'd done the now now i've said that but um to sort of backtrack track a little bit they were pretty good actually against west coast for a little bit um their ball use was a little was a bit of a a bit a little bit better than it had been in previous weeks um but look they're just they just don't have quite as the players they're not going to have rory sloan who's out injured for a period of time so yeah, look, Saints by, oh, I'll say, 36 points. Wow. I feel like that is being a little bit generous for them. Look, the Crows, you know, they'll get to the, they'll get to the top of the mountain one day. Uh, just not this year. And thus, they will lose this game and lose this game comfortably. Don't worry, though, Adelaide. The brightness the bright dawn will dawn on your team soon enough just hopefully not on round eight when you play my bombers but that's for next week as for this week patty thank you for joining me hope you have a wonderful weekend best wishes for the tigers i hope they get up against the kangaroos thanks very much mate good luck to those bombers i'm looking forward to that game on friday night and i do hope that the swans can stay competitive against the gold coast me too thank you and thank you dear (laughs) listener for listening to this episode of the through the banner podcast my name is casper mcleod and i hope to see you even though i can't see you because this is a podcast next week for next week's episode goodbye